Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This is Michael Rappaport. You are now listening to the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, where today we are celebrating the end of that piece of shit, Alex Jones, the InfoWars host. He's done. He's off of Facebook. He's off of iTunes. He's off of Pinterest, and he's off of YouTube. Bye-bye, fucko. I need LeBron James to start playing basketball again because his off-season moves have left me in awe. We're getting into the weekend that has been LeBron James. Steven Seagal is big time in Russia, and so much more. Plus, from season three of the Netflix hit show, Last Chance You, the coach, Coach Jason Brown, the coach. I love this guy. I feel like we are kindred spirits. We're talking fist fights, where he came from, player updates from season three of Last Chance U, and how he honed his smash mouth style of shit talking coaching. This guy is one of a kind. In my opinion, Coach Jason Brown of the Netflix show Last Chance U is the most interesting character on television since Tony Soprano. All that and more on a brand new I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. Miles Jordan, let me get something nice. Let me get something proper. Let me get something real funky. What's going on? My name is Michael Rappaport. It's the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. Call me the Jake LaMotta of podcasting, the Gringo Mandingo, the Pusher T 
of podcasting. I'm going solo on that ass. It's a brand new I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. First, I want to thank all the people of New York City. Whether you're from New York or you came to the city. Uh, a few days ago in New York City, the 4th of August, we shut it down at the Gramercy Theater. All the people that came out uh, supported fantastic crowd they were on on the edge of uh edge of their seats for us it means so much that you came out got to meet and greet i think every single person in the theater it was a great show uh and uh you know what can i say man to do that in new york city to have the crowd be so uh just so present for us it, it means a lot it was a great show the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast Tour continues next week, the 18th in Houston, then the 22nd in Philadelphia, Philadelphia we're performing, and then the 25th in Boston, the 18th in Houston, Paul Walls joining us, we got some other special guests, Philadelphia the 22nd of August, and the 25th in Boston, all tickets are available at I Am RappaportTour.com The shows are getting better and bigger and bangier uh, and New York was a doozy. I gotta tell you right now, I am in New York City and it is motherfucking do the right thing, burn the pizzeria hot out here. It is swamp ass season in New York. I went for an early morning hike. I'm talking about 7 in the morning through Central Park, sweat right through my underwear. Sweat all the way through them. I think that I'm going to just start bringing out a second pair of underwear. No underwear could sustain this kind of New York City summer heat. I don't care what kind of cotton, twill, woven, uh, systematic, uh, metric system underwear you wear. The only way to battle August swamp ass season in New York City is to just bring another pair of underwear and go into any Starbucks and change midday. That's it. Bring a little fanny pack. I'm getting myself a fanny pack. I've come to terms with that. I will be walking around with a fanny pack. Um, Fuck them. Fuck a knapsack. Too heavy adds to the sweat, which adds to the swamp ass. I'm getting a small... A non-brand fanny pack. I used to rock one in the 90s when no one cared. Uh, Then the fanny packs became, they look ridiculous. But I've come to terms uh, that I don't care. Uh, I have no fashion sense. I have no style. I am barely color coordinated. I will be rocking a fanny pack. Uh, In that fanny pack, going forward, for my trip in New York City, will be, amongst other things, an extra pair of underwear. That's it. No shame in my game. I will keep, uh, let me see what else I keep in my fanny pack. Uh, some gum, because you want your breath uh, uh, to always be good, especially when you're around people or when you get in somebody else's car. Shout out to Uber or the New York City Taxi Cab Services. I want my breath to smell good. I expect that from my driver. A uh, 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 iPhone charger, um, some uh, dental floss, a nail clipper, um, and, and some sunscreen, a mini bottle of sunscreen, um, because you can melt out in this shit. 
Um, but yeah, I, am I forgetting anything in, in my fanny pack? I haven't purchased it yet because all the fanny packs, they have crazy designs. I just want a black, simple fanny pack. Lightweight, simple fanny pack. And I will post pictures of me rocking my 2018 low-key fanny pack. Uh, and the, the main reason why I'm going to the fanny pack in New York, because in, in California, you drive around in a car everywhere. I don't know where all the listeners are from and how you get around, but in New York, you walk. Okay, In LA, you're in your car all the time. You don't need a fanny pack. New York, you walk around in this do-the-right-thing heat. You need that fanny pack. Doing it, done. Um, so, uh, LeBron James, I need you to start playing basketball. I need you to start playing basketball so I could get back to talking shit because every single one of your off-season moves has been magnificent. We're going to get into the Donald Trump tweeting him on a Friday night at 11.37. Why are you tweeting about another man on a Friday night at 11.37, Dick Stain? You lonely? The fuck is the matter with you? It's 11.37 on a Friday night. And you worried about Don Lemon and LeBron James? Come on, man. Get you're supposed to be crawled up next to something. Where's your wife at? She not fucking with you? She not talking to you? But before we get into that tweet, LeBron James, it was just announced that LeBron James and his production company are doing a sports docuseries like Real Sports on Showtime. And the title of it is Shut Up and Dribble. That is the most gangster shit ever. We all know where the title came from. Laura Ingram, she said that thing about shut up and dribble. So LeBron James and his production company are doing a sports docuseries about athletes called Shut Up and Dribble. Fuck you, Laura Ingram. And salute to you, LeBron James. I know, I know, I don't want to confuse you people. When the season talks, I will be shitting on him when I can. But as a person, as a man, as a political figure, as a social figure, as a social leader, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. But when it comes to basketball season, I'll figure a way to get back in the groove of talking shit. But right now, what can I say? I stand here. You hear the clapping? That's me clapping. And applauding. The name of the show is Shut Up and Dribble. I'll be watching it. I'll be recording it. Episode after episode. So yes, you all heard Trump tweeted at LeBron James Friday night at 1137 how he had just watched an interview with Don Lemon and somehow he made LeBron James look smart, which isn't easy to do. Fuck you, Dick Stain. You're talking shit. You don't say anything about Greg Popovich. You don't say anything about Steve Kerr. Le LeBron James, you know, it used to be like a big deal if, if, if a president would mention you, good, bad, or indifferent. They don't even refer to Donald Trump as president. It's like, yo, Trump, Trump tweeted about me. Some motherfucker tweeting about me and shit. 
You've lowered the bar on everything that has to do with the president. Melania Trump came out and said that she supports LeBron James. She likes what he's doing with his school and she wants to make a visit. Even your wife doesn't fucking agree with you. Melania, yo, come home. Leave this motherfucker high and dry. You'd be a national hero, an international hero if you left him. Also in his tweet, Trump said at the end of it, I like Mike referring to Michael Jordan. See, that's that divisive bullshit. And Michael Jordan the next day put out a a statement from his publicist saying, I support LJ and what he's doing in the community. That's it. Michael Jordan, yo, Michael Jordan, you ain't shit, man. There's a difference between being a businessman. There's a difference between between being politically correct. And there's and there's a difference between being just a motherfucker that just don't give a fuck about anybody but himself. That's all you have to say about LeBron James. You couldn't couldn't come up with something a little deeper, a little more detailed. Put your feet in the in the dirt a little bit more. I need LeBron James to start playing basketball again so I could get back to talking shit. Because I'm just not this comfortable being in awe of him. I'm in awe of him. I love it. I respect it. I appreciate it. Keep doing your thing, LeBron James. Keep doing your thing. All the other players, Carl Anthony Towns, Donovan Mitchell, and all the other people that are speaking out, keep doing your thing. Steven Seagal. That fat, non-karate doing, fake ass, shoe polish on the hair, bloated, weird looking motherfucker was named Russia's humanitarian representative. I don't know if Russia doesn't get DVDs or they don't got, you know, iTunes or Netflix or what. Yo, you, you couldn't do better than Steven Seagal. Nobody is checking for Steven Seagal. Maybe in Russia, they don't let you watch movies. Like, get get, get Bruce Willis or Claude Van Damme or The Rock or somebody like that. Steven Seagal's not bringing any bells. Steven Seagal's not dope. Nobody is checking for Steven Seagal anymore. Get Ralph Macchio. Fuck with Ralph Macchio. Get Ralph Macchio. Okay, see if you could you could coax him. Because Steven Seagal's, he, he's whack. Nobody's fucking with Steven Seagal anymore. YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Pinterest, amongst others, have finally shut down Alex Jones, that piece of shit who's on InfoWars. He has that show InfoWars, which Alex Jones is famous for two things. Um, All his conspiracy theories... And having those freakouts, which I actually think are funny, but they're not intentionally funny, so he gets no props for that. But he's the guy on that show Infowars uh, that goes around saying uh, all these tragedies, all these shootings, the shooting in Las Vegas, um, amongst others, and the Sandy Hook shooting, uh, where those little kids uh, were shot in the in the elementary and nursery school. Um, and the teachers were killed. He's been going around for years saying that this was this was a setup. This was fake. That this was staged. Amongst all kinds of other things. Now, 
Listen, I believe, matter of fact, Miles Jordan, let me get that Willie Hutch. Alex Jones, you no lip having motherfucker, you. It's over, Duke. You got shut down. It's over. Or is this a hoax, too? Ah, I don't think this is a hoax, Alex Jones, you piece of shit, you. You don't get no freedom of speech. That amendment, that right doesn't work for you, motherfucker. You're done. You're done, and I'm glad that people are saying, what about censorship? What about freedom of speech? Well, what about the parents of the little kids that were shot and killed in that massacre in Sandy Hook? Fuck Alex Jones. You don't get to just say anything you want, perpetrate frauds, perpetrate lies, and get away with it. They shut you down, Duke. You got no lips. Your face is red. Are you on that Barry Bonds? Are you on that Lance Armstrong? Why the fuck is your face so red, Duke? You ain't busting grapes in a food fight. Been on Twitter ever since they shut you down saying it's censorship of the conservatives by the liberals. Whatever the fuck helps you sleep. You don't deserve to have a forum. I don't give a fuck about your rights. I don't give a fuck about the Constitution. I don't give a fuck about any of that. You say some of the wildest, most disrespectful shit. And you think people are going to let that shit keep going? You're making up shit. You're disrespecting people who have the worst tragedy you could possibly have as a parent. You're saying it's fake? Nah, you're fake, Duke. They shut you down on iTunes. They shut you down on YouTube. And I hope they shut you down on fucking Twitter. Alex Jones. And get yourself some motherfucking lips. You look like shit, Duke. Cut that, Will. Guy's a joke. My man, Blake Griffin. Detroit Pistons. Used to play for the LA Clippers. Was just ordered, court ordered, to pay his baby mama. I believe she has two kids by Blake Griffin. And I think she went out with USC quarterback, Matt Leinhardt. So you know you know what she's about. He has to pay his baby mama $258,000 a month in child support. Not spousal support. Spousal support is when you're married and you get divorced. They were never married. He has to pay her in child support. $258,000. Now, I paid child support. Child support is for the kids. These are little kids. There is nothing. There's no children. Let's say the kids had, I don't know, drivers. Let's say the kids had private tutors, private guitar lessons, private piano lessons, and you wanted them dressed head to toe in Gucci clothes. $258,000 is still way too much money. If this woman spent $60,000 a month on two small kids, $60,000 a month on two small kids, 
she'd still have $200,000 to spend. And the way it works in California, there's no tax on the money. He pays tax on the money. She pays nothing on the money. <laughs> this is white girl syndrome gone really, really, really wrong. You fucked up, Blake. And the chick, you have balls. You have no shame. $258,000 a month. There's no accountability. If she wanted to buy a Lamborghini a month, she could buy a Lamborghini a month. There's no accountability on what she does with the money. There's no questioning. He has to give the $258,000 a month. And he can't say shit about it. Damn, Blake, damn. I feel for you. I quote the great Shaka Khan, I feel for you. My man is going to have to work on his post-up game. He's going to have to be able to play until he's 40 to keep up with these payments. Fuck all the jumping and the dunking. You need to work on your below, your back to the basket, post-up game and your other skill set. Work on your three-point shooting and all those other skills. You need to be able to play way past the point when you could jump and you're athletic. I feel for you, Blake Griffin. Damn. I mean, that is just mean. Mean, 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 mean. Over the weekend, it was reported that over 70 people, 70 people in Chicago over this past weekend, the weekend that started August 3rd through August 5th, over the weekend, three days, 3rd, 4th, and 5th, over 70 people were shot in Chicago, seven people were shot fatally. I don't know what to say about that. I don't know... Uh, how to wrap my head around it. I have no rant. I don't know how it's going to stop. But golly damn. 70 fucking people in Chicago in one small, one small section of a city. They have to do something. Something has to give. 70 people in a small little area, 11 were killed. More were hospitalized. There might be more that have been killed. Crazy. All this hype. Talk about this kid. I never heard this kid's music at all. I mean, I, I've heard it in passing. I tried to listen to it. It's just not for me. Travis Scott. Baby mama is Kylie Jenner. I don't even know why he's making music. You, 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 your baby mama is worth a billy. Music is like a uh, shit. I don't even know what that is. That's like playing like three on three basketball on the weekend. You're just doing it because you, you want to do it. Put out this record called Astro World. I would love to know uh, from the fans, if you listen to that kind of music, is it good? At least in that genre of that kind of music. People calling it an instant classic. Remember uh, 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 two months ago, Kanye West put out his record? Instant classic. I've been in New York for about three weeks now. I haven't heard one person <coughs> in one car passing by 
playing Kanye West. That's how you could tell what's hot in New York. When you're walking around, you could hear certain songs being played out of the cars. You could tell, oh shit, I keep hearing it. I keep that's that that must be hot. New songs, songs you like, songs you don't like. Doesn't matter what it is. Nobody's listening to that Kanye West record anymore. That shit was trash, Duke. Shit was straight trash. And everyone, it's an instant classic. You got to hear what he did with the Sonics. It's incredible. Nobody's listening to it anymore. And if you're listening to it, you're listening to it against your will. It's not good. Not a good record. But I want to know what, what people think of that uh, Travis Scott record. This other dude, Tyler, the creator. You know, this, this kid, Tyler, the creator, he's obviously talented. He obviously struck a chord with a certain type of youth. You know, this, this you know, disenfranchised, nerd, weirdo rap. I call it character rap. Like, it wasn't so much that the music was good. It was like people like the character. People like it, the personality. Personality rap. Action Bronson, who I, who I like. Same sort of thing, though. It's like people like the look. People like the personality. The music isn't as good as the personality. The music isn't as good as the interviews. Tyler, the creator, is, is one of the, the main people who's made a career off of being an interesting person and a, eh, talented but never really lived up to the talent musician, rapper. Shit's not dope. Takes himself way too seriously. He's, his first record, he came out and said it was trash and that he would only had seven songs on it. You're right, Duke. Your first record was trash, Duke. You had one song on there with one beat where you were eating uh, ants and bugs and all that shit in the video. I liked it. Can't listen to the rest of your music. And he's complaining that his music never gets played on the radio because of his voice, because his voice is raspy. Duke, Duke, your music doesn't get played on the radio because you're whack. Not because of your voice. Jada Kiss gets played on the radio. His voice is raspy. It's not your voice, Duke. Look in the mirror. It's the songs. You don't put out bangers. You think there's some conspiracy to keep you off the radio? The kids love you. They love when you're acting crazy, eating bugs, all that, you know, horrorcore shit. You're a weirdo. You're funny. But your music's not dope. That's why they don't put it on the radio. Not your voice. That might be one of the only things that you have that is good about your music is your voice. Raspy voices have always been accepted and embraced in hip-hop. Method Man. I'm forgetting a bunch of others. Raspy voice motherfuckers. Jada Kiss. It's not your voice. You. It's your songs. They're not banging. They're not. You don't have one banger. You've been rapping for over 10 years. Tyler, the creator. You have not one banger. You're not capable of making bangers. Sorry. I've met him. Nice kid. Smart businessman. Your music's not dope. Period. That's it. told you later on in the show uh coach jason brown of independence college in kansas who those of you who don't watch last chance you are like huh yo this guy on this show last chance you is so bugged out so funny so frustrating such a great character no it's it's a real show it's not it's not a reality show it's a documentary series 
goes into the real life of these kids at Last Chance U. I've been talking about Last Chance U for the last three years, and this is the third season, and the first two seasons were fantastic. And somehow, someway, they switched schools, found a new coach who's way more bugged out than the last coach, who was very bugged out, very compelling to watch. Uh, Coach Jason Brown, if you like football, if you like shit-talking, stay tuned. If you like Last Chance U, you're definitely going to love this interview with him. Um, I'm making a trip out to uh, out there uh, this fall if I can make it happen uh, to, to, to meet him face-to-face. He's a white dude, grew up in Compton, in the hood, and he's just got a bugged-out story and a bugged-out way that he looks at life, looks at uh, college football, um, and uh, I suggest you listen to it, whether you uh, have gotten into season three of Last Chance You or not. Tommy Loren, a uh, little cheerleader, little Republican, a conservative cheerleader. I-, I think she lied on Twitter this uh, 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 the other day. I can't stand her and her fucking fake ass nose and her nose job. She said on Twitter, she goes, and I quote, my first time in San Francisco, I see a man snorting cocaine off the street. So sad this beautiful place has become such a cesspool. Thanks for nothing, liberals. Tommy Loren, I think you may be lying. I think you may be full of shit. Where did it happen, Tommy Loren? Where did you see a person snorting cocaine off the street? How did you know it was cocaine? Are you a sniffing dog? Did you use your fake nose to sniff out the cocaine that the man was snorting off the street? How close did you get to him? I think you're lying. How do you know it wasn't just an insane person? How do you know it wasn't a mental health issue? I think you're full of shit. You're a cheerleader for the Republican Party. You're a jump off. Okay? And the only reason why you have a platform is because you got a fake nose and golf ball white teeth. Okay? Let's see some pictures. You didn't take any pictures of the man snorting cocaine off the street? Who the fuck? I never did that booger sugar. But if you have the money to get that booger sugar, to snort cocaine, that white, that pure snow, you damn sure are not going to be snorting it off the street. If somebody has the money to get some booger sugar, they're not going to put it down on the ground and snort it. You're lying, chick. You're lying. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Last Chance You, Season 3, the star of the program, uh, who I think has a great future in football, college football. I think he could be a broadcaster. Coach Jason Brown, Last Chance You, Season 3. Uh, let's get to it. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast with the coach uh, uh, coming up next. All right. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Season 3 of Last Chance You. The star, I have to tell you this. When I was thinking about interviewing you, thinking about talking to you, I've come to the conclusion that you, Coach Jason Brown, are the most interesting character on television since Tony fucking Soprano, except for you're actually real. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it, man. I'm just trying to be who I am, man. No, nobody else. Well, 
I, I, I mean, you know, it's funny because I, uh, I started getting tweets before I started watching season three. I started getting tweets. Yo, you got to see this coach. You got to see this coach. It, you know, obviously you're a real person, uh, but you know, the, uh, uh, your, your character, your, just your ups and downs and your pers personality and your shit talking is, uh, is, is bar none. And, and I call myself the MVP of talking trash, but you're damn, you might be the, the, the next MVP because you, you, you shut the shit talking down. So my first question for you is this coach is where the fuck did you come from? And how did you wind up at Independence? Well, shit, man. It's been a long road, brother. I'll be honest. I, I probably coached. Uh, so when I got done playing professionally, uh, my last year to go, I had a chance to go back um, and try it, try another team. And I was just like, you know what? I've lost the love of football because how political it is. So I said, you know, the off season, I started coaching for my first time I coached. Uh, my alma mater in high school back in California. And, um, man, I fell in love instantly with coaching. I was like, fuck, fuck this is what I'm here for to, here to, on this earth to do. I don't think it was to play. I think it's to coach. And, and, uh, and, you know, I got a little cup of coffee playing at the, at the highest level, which is a rare, you know, it's better odds to win the lotto than it is to make an NFL a roster. So, um, you know, I had a cup of tea and then I started coaching, man. And then I said, I thought that was my calling. And then ever since 17 years later, um, you know, I've been coaching and uh, I've had my ups and downs, man. And it's been, uh, you know, 13 years for free, unpaid. Uh, a lot of people don't realize. Wow. Unpaid 13 years, man. And, and I still had a fucking beach house and a caddy. So <laughs> I told people, you got to figure out, you got to be a hustler, man, and, and do it and figure out ways to make ends meet if you want to do what you love. And, and uh, I wanted to help kids out, man. And uh, so by doing that, I couldn't work at, uh, you know, I had to work all these odd jobs and try to coach. And it's just hard to do, so I had to make it work if I wanted to coach. Uh, coach, and uh, and there was no pay, so I had to I had to be a hustler and make things work out so I could coach full time, and uh, that's what I did. And uh, shit, man, 13, 11 years of junior college in California, and then, and then I was a head high school coach for four years, and then I took a job at a rival school here in the state as as O coordinator in in two thousand fifteen. And then, uh, and then got this job. I went back home, man. And, and after I left that place and it wasn't for me there, just the way that the kids were, were talked to handled and so on. And, uh, I went home, man, for a couple months and I got the call to come interview at independence. And I flew out here to, to middle of nowhere, Kansas and, uh, interviewed and uh, I fell in love with the athletic director, man, the president, uh, people here wanted to, wanted to win. They hadn't won in 20 years. And, and I, and I've always been known to take over programs and rebuild them. So, um, it was a great opportunity, man. And, and, uh, I like being the underdog. So I thought it was a perfect fit and, and that's how I got here. Now, now when you played in the NFL, talk quickly, briefly, because I know that you could go deep, 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 deep into it, but like, cause you talk so much shit on the show and, and like, we don't really get to see that much footage of you. How good, uh, uh, were you on your best day as a quarterback and what was like some of your fondest memories of, as an NFL player? Like, who did you play with? What team did you play for? Like, walk, talk me through your your NFL career. Although, it wasn't uh, you know? I mean, to make it to the NFL is that's like a fucking you know, like an asteroid dropping right in front of your lap. <laughs> no doubt. Well, look, I had I had uh, so when after I after I played college, I got a, a free agent shot with the Kansas City Chiefs. Basically, just a, a OTA a type of tryout. They call it. So I was there for mini camp, um, and I got to go against all those guys, man. And 
uh, the Tony Gonzalez's were there, and Priest Holmes was, I think, the MVP of the league that year, and, and uh, Trent Green was the starter, and, and that was short-lived. And so from that point, I went on and played arena football and uh, came back again. A year later, I got called back to come out and try out again, basically. So making a – actually playing in a, a true game and all that, I never did, but I was just on uh, what they call practice squad and OTAs and had, and had camps and stuff. And then I went over to NFL Europe. Tried out over there. Um, every team in the NFL, when they cut you, they kind of what's called allocate you. So they allocated people over to NFL Europe at the time. NFL Europe folded now too, a couple mm-hmm. years back. But so then I went back to Arena League back in the states, and uh, I was all over Chicago, LA, Bakersfield, California. Uh, and man, it's just it was just uh, you know it's it's not easy. People, you hear all these stories, you see the, a, the these NBA guys got this NBL and NDL and all that stuff. They got to go play 10 years of that stuff, man, before they even get a shot. And mm-hmm. that's how it is. Like you said, an asteroid falling on your lap. It's about the odds of it. And, uh, so, you know, I've, I've, I got to play against some or have some great people, man. You know, Dick Vermeil was the head coach there. Uh, got to meet or see a lot of those guys, man, but I was the same shit talking dude. I wasn't in. Cause I, I was, was going to ask you when you played, did you talk shit? Oh yeah. I, I was, a, I was an older guy. So, there wasn't that rookie hazing shit going on with me, man. It just wasn't going to happen. I think they knew, too. Uh, a lot of those rookies get hazed, and I was a 24-, 25-year-old rookie, and I was just like, you know, that ain't going down with me, brother, and they knew it. And so uh, it was good. It was it was good times, man, and it was a lot of a lot of fond memories of meeting those guys and traveling all over, man. But to, to be honest, man, the, the most fun I ever had professionally is uh, arena football. Right. And uh, playing arena football, man, there's only 19 guys on a roster. So there's, there really is no backbiting. There's no politics. 19 guys, you're pretty tightly knitted. Fuck, we go to Hawaii a couple times a year. We went and played over there. We, <laughs> it was a great time, man. And, uh, that was probably the funnest professional time. And then, and then ever since then, man, he's been coaching and stuff. But yeah, it's, it, I was the same way as a coach, man. I, I, as a player, as I am a coach, man, I used to grab my old lineman. Um, the difference is, though, that you don't see, um, when I was a player, it's, uh, you know, I'd grab my old line by the face mask because they miss a block in the game. But I also fed those fuckers Friday night, too. So, you know what I mean? There's a difference. There's a give and take, man. And there's a respect, earn, respect, given type right. of deal. And that's kind of what you don't see, uh, kind of like from Malik Henry on the show or stuff. I used to tell him that, too, man. You can talk shit, but you better, they better have your back, too. And so, um, you know, it's a give, give and take type of deal. Um, um, so, so since the show came out, you know, what has been the general reaction and like, how, how has your, your life changed? Like you must be a fucking star out there in Independence, Kansas. And just, you know, you're on Twitter. People are like, this show is like, it's like, you know, uh, it's like hard knocks of college football. Now it's season three. It's so compelling, you know, the first three seasons. And just when, you know, you thought you, it might've shot its load, you know, here comes you and all these kids. And, and, and like I said, you just like, you come on the screen and it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, so how is, how is like, uh, the reaction been like, well, what, how has it changed, you know, since, uh, you know, going outside in Independence, Kansas and just how has the response been across the board from, from your peers and in the football community, just like the whole thing? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, good question, man. It's been crazy. I'm going to tell you, I didn't even know it was like this. Uh, so we had media day in our conference, uh, two Fridays ago, this Friday, uh, well, last Friday, so it was, it was actually one week after it aired. Um, so it came out on the 20th. On the 27th was our conference media day. I told our, my boss, I was like, man, you sure you want me to go to this thing? Because, you know, 
they got me talking shit on there and, and those coaches get to see it and they've watched it. I'm sure every coach in that in our league watched it and I have to go to this media day. So I went and uh ended up talking shit in the media day because they wanted <laughs> to talk shit to me and it is what it is and I I'm not gonna change, man. They film me and they catch me on film being who I am and, and those coaches know that and uh and and on the way to that media day in, in two, you know, middle of nowhere towns in Kansas, two hours drive, we had to go to Wichita, Kansas, so two hours uh, west of here. And we stopped and get gas one time. We stopped and get a cup of uh, coffee, and uh, I got bombarded by, you know, 20 people for autographs and pictures. I'm just like, wow, you got to be kidding me. So it's, it's globally recognized. And, um, you know, I was told by uh, one of these data people that in the first 12 hours of the show, it was the most watched uh premiere in the history of United States television. So Damn. It, it, it was everywhere. It was everywhere, man. And, and, and just for instance, last night I go to Tulsa, man, to go to Cigar Lounge, man, by myself, man. I said, you know what, fuck, I'm going to get up and get out of town for for a while. Was, we didn't have to, I gave my staff and players off today. Um, and uh, I went down there, man, and walked in and, and uh, it was a packed place, man. And it was like a bar lounge and a uh, cool little spot I go to. Shit, man. I don't know if I can go anymore, man. Every single person in there was like, this is a last chance you. And I'm just like, man, I thought I was fucking Michael Rappaport or something <laughs> in there, man. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was it was, uh, it was crazy, man. It's really bigger than I thought it would be. And uh, I didn't realize it was that big. And it's being perceived, man. And you know how it is. You know, you're the same way, man. You probably 50% love you, 50% hate you. And, uh, and that's kind of the perception online and social media. And, you know, it's kind of the demographic they get, they, they try to target, I believe is like 20 to 35 is, is Netflix's demographic for the show. And, uh, you kind of see it hitting that, that demographic because, you know, once you, the 50 year olds and over are the ones kind of hating on it. The, the ones in that demographic love it. And then, uh, and it's a lot of inner city folks love it, and then you got a lot of Beverly Hills fuckers that probably don't like it. So that's you know, that's funny. That's what it is. Has <laughs> if, have the people that you come across like in person? Has it all been love? Or are they like, yo, you're a fucking asshole, or why'd you do this, or why'd you do that? Because I'm sure like this sort of out of nowhere fame, and you know they're they're watching you on a television in you know Netflix is in our homes or in our computers or sometimes in our phone. It's such an intimate way to watch somebody and it's such a powerful show across the board it's so emotional it's so compelling the winning and the losing with the team you know it's just it's just great television like do people like have like responses that are like caught you off guard like are people like what the fuck did you say that shit for like in in to, to your face no man uh every person i've seen in person uh want to take a picture and love me and, and that's what they say anyway in my face so uh, like last night, a young brother came up to me, man, and was like, totally right up to me. Like I, like I've known him 20 years. He had no doubt it was who I was. And I even put some fucking glasses on, man. I don't even wear glasses, man. I was just like, <laughs> and he knew right you away, put man. You got wig on, like, man. That's all you got to put some, a wig on and some glasses. <laughs> uh, no doubt, man. No doubt. And I had to put that. And so I, I, he came right up to me, man, wanted to take a picture, was just saying how much he res respected us and uh, me and how I am with the kids. He goes, man, our, our society needs you, man, and, and you're a huge inspiration. Don't change. I know there's people hating on you online and all that. And I go, hey, man, appreciate you. And, and that's kind of been the uh, reception I've been getting uh, at least over the last two weeks. And uh, it's been it's been uh, pretty nice. Um, so, so, you know, like I think episode four or five, at one point, I was like, this motherfucker. Like, I th something happened with you and uh, I think it was the offensive line coach during the game. And ha have you watched all the episodes of it? 
I, I haven't. I have not, man. I haven't had time to get to it, man. And, that, you know, after, I think, you know, I don't know how you are. I, I guess the first four shows they sent us prior to it being released. And so when I, before I went back home to L.A. to do the release party with Netflix, I watched the first two or three, and I called the producer. I said, Greg, great dude, man, does a great job. And, and uh, I go, man, I look horrible, man. He goes, well, you know, I got like 16 episodes of shit that I could put on there if you want to see that shit. And I said, ah, oh, nah, I'm good, man. That's funny. <laughs> and he goes, you're the you're unfiltered guy I've ever filmed, man. He goes, it is what it is. And uh, You're a confrontational motherfucker, and you're with kids that are confrontational football players and, you know, football coaches. There's an edge to, to all of you guys. And you get under even your own coach's skin. My question is, when was the last time you had an actual fight? Like, when was the last time a motherfucker was like, motherfucker, fuck you, coach, and it, and it went to another level? Man, I haven't had a fight like that, a real fight, man, in probably 30 years, man. Oh, that's good. To, to be honest, I, I, that's not, you know, I think I think real recognize real, and, 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 and you know, uh, if you're a good judge of character like you and I are, man, uh, I think people see that you're genuine and you care for the guy, even though, you know, my, my job is to get these coaches and players alike to the next level. And so basically I have to get them where they couldn't get themselves. And that's my job. I've taken, I've got 18 coaches jobs, uh, four year schools since I've been coaching and 190 kids I've sent division one, which is both national records. And, Damn. you know, um, and I'm only 42 man. And you know, shit, man, you know, the coaches understand. I hire you. Uh, you know, if Nick Saban hired me and paid me a million dollars a year as an assistant, like he does a lot of guys, I'd fucking shine your shoes and fucking they say yes, sir. I mean, I tell my player, my coaches the same thing, man. I said you you signed up for this, and there's a lot of free guys that I have that are unpaid that only get housing and meals. But growing up in Cali, where we grew up in the junior college world, they didn't have this opportunity. And I mm. tell these young coaches, uh. Man, we I, we would have loved to be on your fuck in your shoes in, at 23, 24 years old. We didn't have this opportunity. We were working at fucking J.C. Penny Warehouse and then going to recruit, then going to practice, then starting it all over again. So you don't even understand. You're coaching football 24-7, even though it's unpaid, but you're 23, 24 years old. If this is what you want to do, that's the sacrifice you got to make. And uh, so um, we uh, I harp on that, man. And, and at the end of the day, it's a result-oriented business. And uh Coaches got to recruit. They they either get the kid or they lose the kid. Um, you win the game, you lose the game, and and so uh, you know it's a it's a cold business. It's colder than the dope game. I say, man, and, oh. and you know one of my one of my mentors is Freeway Rick Ross, and uh, he comes and speaks to my players every summer. And, oh uh, shit, that's that, that's the real Rick Ross, not yep, the rapper. Yep. And uh, and so you know he'll be back this summer, and you know and uh, him and a guy named Cornell Ward are are. are best friends and they that's who raised me basically in the in the streets of la man and that's you know i was in that era and so uh it, they just they say the same thing man it's a result-oriented business and uh you know shit either gonna die man or or, or, or go out fighting and, and uh figuring a way and figuring it out and so you're gonna stay on the streets your whole life and or, or figure a way to provide and that's how i try to teach these kids and so um you know i think the i think the ones that want to do it and believe you know, they, they, it's nothing personal. That's, that's what really to answer your question is nothing personal. And I think my coaches and my players know that. And so I've never had a fight with a kid or a player or a coach, any of that stuff. The one you saw me throw the, and after that game, uh, the one you see me throw the headsets and that guy throws the coach throws it back at over me or whatever. Right. Um, you know, 
I told him after the game because I was kind of, I had to, re, I had to kind of retract myself because of the camera. I was like, "Shit, man, I don't want to get this. I don't want to really fight on this TV." And I'm just like, he comes out there after this. Afterwards is when I really got after his ass when nobody's around. And I'm like, "Look, bro, if I wanted to throw that shit at you, I would throw it at your face." I said, "I threw it at the ground and skipped to you." I said, "There's a reason." I said, "This is football. This is coaching. You fucked up and didn't get the guy in the game. I'm the head coach. I hired you." So. It's not that I want. To, I'm going to shit on you either as the head coach. I don't shit on my dudes. What they don't show on the on the on the show, uh, Mike, is you, they don't show me barbecuing for these fuckers every day, <laughs> and taking them out to Tulsa, and and having you know doing a lot of things for the coach, especially the unpaid guys. And the same thing is with the kids. You know, the kids. You don't see the kids bashing me online at all because they know the truth, and uh, you know they know what we do team bonding wise. They know what I do for them, and. and uh, at the end of the day, you know, I tell my coaches, for every time you motherfucking kid, you better have a hamburger for his ass, too, or a pat on the ass. Right. And so, um, you know, that's kind of how I am, and I think the coaches and the guys see see, see that. But, nah, you know, don't, uh, haven't had a real fight, man, and, and I don't I don't think, uh, think people recognize. So it's That's good. good. You kicked ass last season. You've been kicking ass as a coach. You're improving. You're growing. And now you have this crazy recognizability what is your dreams? What are your personal goals for football? Like, what would you like to do in the next three, four, five, ten years as 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 a football coach? I mean, as a broadcaster, I think you'd be a fucking great broadcaster. Uh, just like in, in general, like, what do you want to get out of football going forward? Man, people have been asking me that a lot, man. You know, it's like it's like when you're a kid and you don't know what you want to do when you grow up and shit, man. I, I, uh. You know, at this level, junior college level, and I think Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, all the great coaches that are out there that, that have the name, they'll, they'll tell you, man, uh, there's no level, there's no harder level to coach than junior college. And uh, a lot of those guys won't do it. And if they have done it, they won't come back to it once they get to the four-year school because they understand what they got now. And, and this is like football jail. And I tell people this, junior college is football jail. You got to get in and out. And uh, you got to get out as fast as possible. And I said, that's what this is. And so... Um, my goal, man, you know, I'm, 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 as crazy as it sounds, if USC or UCLA came knocking, cause I'm obviously I'm, I'm from LA. That would be obviously, it'd be pretty intriguing and, and, and pretty hard to turn down. But, you know, unless that's happening, I don't see, uh, you know, anyone else coming and knocking on my door like that. And so the bottom line is, I think I'm content in the fact that, uh, I can touch more kids' lives here at this level than any four-year school in the country can touch those kids' lives. Right. And I only have, I only give my kids 18 months. Those guys get them four and five years, and um, so I have to accelerate the program. And that's kind of why you see how I am. You how you see me is 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 I'm trying to accelerate a a learning curve to instill it in a kid in an accelerated rate. And uh, basically, my kid, the longest kid I'll have here is 18 months. The shortest time I'll have a kid is six months. So uh, you know, you've seen that big-time running back that's going to Arkansas, Raheem Boyd. He was highlighted on the show. He, yep. he, uh, I only had him six months. So, you know, I had him in the summer, and he went through the season. And I had to mold that kid. He wouldn't even talk to anyone on the staff or any player or anything. He was really, really uh, standoffish, and he was real. He had to really build his trust from his background growing up. And so each kid is on there is totally different, and, and I have to do it at an accelerated rate. The four-year school guys can't do that, man. They don't even want to try it. You know, like they say, is the grass is the grass greener uh, on the other side? I don't know if it is. And right here at this place where I'm at, I have better players than 
70% of the Division One schools where I'm at. Wow. And uh, because I get those transfers, I get those kids that are making mistakes. And and uh, and like I said, Michael, I'm going to tell you right now, if I ran the NCAA, first of all, they'd be paid, number one. Number two, I would make uh, I would make every single kid out of high school, regardless if they were a high school qualifier or not, have to go junior college for one year. Because, because of why? I think you, would, you would not have the issues you have as you see all you see the guy at Florida State hit the girl in the club and he gets kicked out of Florida State. You see the kid robbing the the the, the or stealing crab legs, James Winston when right. he was at Florida State. You I don't think you have that shit. I think that junior college is so uh less resourceful, it's so uh it's so um, it brings you down to earth in such a hum- humble way. I think you're you you have so much humility when you leave my place and you go to Alabama and you see now the Taj Mahal of football, and now you're like, shit, man, I just spent a year or 18 months in jail, and now I'm here. I, I can't fuck this up. And right. see, what happens is they go straight to Alabama to the Taj Mahal. They they have no humility, and they have no idea what the other side entails, and then they get kicked out of Alabama, and they come to my place, and then they got my crazy ass motherfucking them and shaping them and molding them, <laughs> and then they go back to Alabama, and I I, I my personal... um what I'm most proud of in in, in this business and my and what I've done is 190 kids I've sent to four year schools, uh, Michael, and not one kid has ever been kicked out of that four year school, and uh, that's kind of what I'm most proud about. And if you look at the history of junior college guys leaving junior college and go to Alabama, go to if you watch some of those guys uh, from the last show, you know you got a guy facing a murder rap, you got guys that got kicked out of those schools in the first semester at the school. And uh, my kids get raved about by the head coaches at Colorado, at t- Tennessee, at Arkansas. Your guys representing uh, you and Independence very well, and and uh, and I'm just so proud of you, and th- I appreciate how you are hard on them. That's coming from the four-year head coaches that know um, I make it harder at Independence or wherever I've been than the four-year school is, so that way they know they don't get kicked out of the school. So that's dope. a little different. Um, give me some updates on some kids. Uh, one of the 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 most frustrating uh, characters to watch kids person is Malik Henry. Where is he at right now? And like, have you spoken to him since the end of the show? Oh yeah, we talk quite often, man. And uh, I talked to him and his dad the other day. Right now, I, I just got off the phone with Coach Link, and he's the head coach of Florida Atlantic. Uh, he's in, interested in still trying to do it, take a shot at him. Um, I think he knows how talented Malik is. I think he knows. Um, this is the thing about Malik that people don't realize. You know, you see what he did on the show. And half the shit, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of out of context because it doesn't happen exactly like it does on the show because you can see Malik talking shit. But really, when I when I watch some of the shows, I'm looking at it like that shit was um, 45 minutes ago in real, in real life. You. Or it was, you know, it was a, it was a month ago when, when you hear the voiceover. That was a month ago. It wasn't even in the game. So right. it's like they do some things to make it a reality or not a reality, but a documentary too, and make, make it an attractive attraction. And they do a great job. And, and, you know, it's not nothing edited or filmed or scripted or nothing, but it's just, they, they maneuver some things to right. make it fit the puzzle. Right. And, uh, which you know better than me. And, and so they, they did that. And so you see some of those things, um, it kind of has him more of a villain than he really is. Uh, you know, they don't show Sundays. They don't film on Sundays and Sundays is a huge day for us as coaches. Cause that's when I bring Malik in and, we got, we start to game plan. We watched last night's film. We, you know, he's in there very contrite, crying his eyes out, talking about how fucked up he is and, and, and trying to just reach out of his, like something's trying to get out of him. And, uh, 
you know, you're talking about a super extremely talented kid who has the, you know, first round NFL written all over him. Um, but can he get out of his own way? And, uh, so right now you got Florida Atlantic and University of Hawaii, uh, the head coach at Hawaii, uh, is a guy named Nick Rolovich and we spoke and, uh, he's really intrigued and, 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 and the bottom line is they have to ask themselves, you know, does the reward outweigh the risk at the end of the day? And so, uh, Malik's graduated. He's got his AA degree, his two year degree, and he has three years to play at the division one, which is also very good for those guys. Cause that, that he has three years. Most of the, the junior college guys only have two years. So, uh, he's got three years to play and, um, you know, that's kind of how it is, but, you know, people don't realize that I was talking to the producer of the show. I said, Hey, you know, you know, I could bring Malik back and really fuck everybody's heads up. Right? <laughs> and <laughs> Greg's like, Oh shit, we have the, it'll be the number one show of all time. So, you know, it's a, uh, but you know, hopefully he gets out and he'll be the only one man. Cause everybody else is signed and, uh, which is a national record in one year, we had 40 guys go to one and off of one team, um, and graduated on time. Also, that's the most important. And so, uh, those guys all over the place. There's guys that aren't even showcased on the show that are big time, that are at big time schools that, that they really weren't, they didn't really have a backstory like these other guys. So, um, but you know, he hopefully lands at, a, at somewhere real soon. Hopefully this week, I think you'll hear about him signing somewhere. Oh, good, good, good. And what about uh, the kid, Bobby Bruce? So Bobby Bruce, you know, he's on my shit list, man. I, I, he's back on campus as we speak. He's here. Um, we'll, we'll have practice again in the morning and he's here. Um, he 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 missed my summer workouts because he missed two plane flights that his head coach got him and uh in high school his high school coach got him. He missed them and gets caught up in some bullshit, basically at the wrong place at the wrong time, man. And that's what he that's my personally hand picked kid and, and all those kids were that you saw on the show. Uh and you know, I, I I'm like, he knows and he should never even went home. He's got a super, super bad backstory. I mean, his mom um, you know, been into institutionalized your whole life. His brother got killed. Uh, you know, he, he's got a bad, bad home life and, uh, he's really contrite. Well, anyway, the bottom line is he, he gets arrested. He goes to jail probably for 30 days while he, while they figured this out. And then he was released and it was basically a false, uh, arrest type of deal and, and a wrong identity. He didn't, he wasn't the person they thought he was, oh, or didn't shit. have anything to do with what they thought he did. So he has no record. He's back. He's on, as far as criminally, he's he's good. Uh, with me though, he's not because he still missed my fucking summer, and he knows the deal. Because obviously, him and I know he was somewhere where he shouldn't have been, regardless. And uh, and so right now he's on the he's back on campus and uh, he's going through activities with us. I just don't know. You know, he knows he's in my, my doghouse. Is, is he eating here. food yet? Because the motherfucker doesn't eat. He's skinny. Man, he he didn't like that cat food. Bro, you gotta I eat that you, food but, though. You gotta eat something. You got to eat something, man. And, and, you know, I told him, I said, shit, you might be from the hood and fucked up life, but I'm telling you right now, we ate our, whatever was given to us, we ate or we wasn't going to get nothing. So yeah, you I didn't hear, I never out. heard of nobody not eating shit. Like, it's like, throw some hot sauce on it and, and, and man up. <laughs> Fuck. And no shit. No shit. But yeah, he's learning. He's learning, man. He's, 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 he's a young kid, man, that was, uh, that, uh, I think, uh, hopefully he's grown up in front of us and, uh, he, he, since he's arrived back on campus, man, you can see his face has changed. And I told him that when, you know, Netflix filmed us the other day in the office, I said, uh, the first time I talked to him in person and I said, listen, your face actually looks different, man. You look, you look mature, but I said, Joe will do that to you, won't it? Oh. Like, yes. Yes. And I said, yeah, I know. And so, uh, I think hopefully, man, it struck him, man. Hopefully it scared the life out of him. Oh, good. And, and you mentioned Rakeem. How, 
how good is he? Like, what kind of potential does he does he really have? You're uh, you're 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 you might have me by a few years, man. But we probably cut from the same cloth in a lot of things. Uh, he's an Eric Dickerson, Earl Campbell type of guy. Okay, if uh, if that's for you. Uh, yep, yep. He, you know, Eric I Dickerson thought I thought about me. Eric Dickerson because he runs kind of straight yep. up. Like when he gets going, he gets he he sort of has that stride like Eric Dickerson. That high knee, north and south. Yep, long strider. Yep. That's 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 him, man. And uh, he's a north south guy. He's broad shoulder. He's long, athletic, and can run like the wind, man. If he gets in the open, you're not catching him. And uh, you know he he's a big time guy, man. If he can stay durable and be durable and last and play ten, eleven games, he'll he'll be an NFL back. Fuck, that's awesome. And and what about yeah. the uh, the the uh, the white kid, the center, the offensive lineman, uh, Buckmaster, who's his uh yep. his story was compelling, and he he where is he at, and how is he doing uh, since the show? Have you spoken to him? Yeah, oh yeah, I speak to all of them. He uh he's great, man. He also signed scholarship, so this is his deal. He's an older kid, so he's had a, a rough rough go at it, and uh, he's basically you know you know you'll 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 know what I'm saying, but I, we tell him that he's uh he's basically a brother in a white uh in white skin because uh-huh. that's his background and that's his life. That's how he grew up. Uh, he grew up pretty fucked up and had a bad life uh, where he grew up back in northern Nevada in the sticks and uh, and he uh, his parents had some issues and he 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 fought through it man and and I got him out here and um, he's at Lindenwood University it's in St Louis right outside of St Louis it's a great facility that's a big time Division two and the best conference in America he had to go to Division two because he's an older cat and his his academic clock started years ago when mm-hmm. he went to right out of high school. And basically, he had a bunch of hiccups and bumps in the road, and he didn't continue his education consecutively. So when that happens, is you, you kind of lose Division One clock, and so he had to go to Division Two. But he had offers from Oklahoma State, a bunch of Division Ones, and, and that's how good he is. So wow, um, yeah. So he had to go to Division Two, man, and, and it'll be it's a great situation for him, and he's doing great, man. They say he's doing great, and uh, and uh, hopefully he represents well, and 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 he he's another guy that has a shot, man. He's real technical. He's real fundamentally sound, and he's nasty as hell, man. So, well, what would that mean um, to you? Like, obviously, you want your kids to graduate, and and obviously, you want the kids to leave you better off as people, and, and all those things, and and that comes across a lot in the show, and and just from talking to, what would it mean to you to have one of these kids actually have a career as an NFL player? I mean, I couldn't imagine like how proud you would feel if that happened. Well, Mike, I don't know if you understand, if you know my history or as a coach, but in 17 years as a coach, I got 27 in the NFL right now. Oh shit! So, See, yeah, that's, so that's I, something that they don't talk about on the show. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I actually had six in the Super Bowl at the same time in the same game. Holy shit! Uh, which is also a record. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think I have probably 10 or 11 kids in the last two years that will probably play on Sunday in the next couple years. Um, you know, it's when, funny. When my you first see job, them out there, are you like, this is fucking like, I mean, you must feel like they're the father figure. Like you, you pushed them. You've had a, an imprint on their life. That I can't, that shit must just be so fulfilling for you. Yeah, man. You know, because especially like this, there's the, there's the kids out there, like, uh, the Damian Stafford's of the world. He was a starting safety for the Tennessee Titans, uh, a couple years ago. And he played for me in California junior college. And, um, you know, I used to have to go grab his ass by the by the dreads out of bed, get him out of bed, and, and uh, hopefully he hears this because he knows. I just talked to him the other day, and uh, he's gonna send me a jersey. But 
he was like, man, without that coach, I would have never graduated anyway. And uh, we had to do a lot of things. He ended up playing in Nebraska for two years under Bo Pelini, and uh, he did a great job. Got drafted by the Tennessee Titans, and then you know, and so you know, I, those type of guys, Akeem Ayers, who who won a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots, yep. an outside linebacker. Uh, he, he then he went to the back to the home to the Rams. Now he's with the Colts, I think. He, uh, you know, same deal with him, man. He went to Bourbon Bay High School in Watts, California, and then. I coached him there, and he was just a freakish specimen athletically. Um, he uh, he's got he's been in the NFL now, shit, seven eight years, and uh, has a great you know made a great living for himself. And he's the same type of kid, man. He had to be pushed, and uh, you know that was that was my job to get him where he couldn't get himself because nobody nobody told him the, the things that are real out there. I told him, you know, shit, man, in eighteen years, eighteen months, the real world is gonna hit you in the mouth, and are uh, you gonna be able to handle it? And so. I think a lot of those guys I've had, Orlando Skandrick, man, he, he's, yeah. he's been with the Cowboys forever, and now he's with the Redskins. Um, you know, shit, that was my first kid. I I inherited him as my first coaching year at Arteza High School. Uh, he was a sophomore in high school. And, uh, fuck, it was crazy, man. When I inherited his ass, he was they had him at fullback. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And I ended up putting him at tailback. He runs for like 300 yards his first game as a sophomore, and the rest is history. He's a 10-year NFL vet. But, um there's a lot of those type of guys, man, finding their niche and finding out where they go. Because I think if you look about it, man, if you look back at it, you're like, shit, man, if I would have left him there or moved him there, his career could have been over. He never would have been Orlando Skandrick or Akeem Ayers or when you or those see, type of guys. When you see that, that talent, like the, the kids that you mentioned, can, can you see the difference? Like this, this guy really has – he's special. Like I've got a bunch of kids that are talented, that bust their ass – but can you, as a coach, and being around it so closely, be like, this kid is on a different plane, e- even like in high school and or at the college, junior college level? Yeah, man. You know, the, so we had 27 Division One transfers last year, just so you know. We had, that's all, nobody has that. But we had those, only nine of them made it. The rest of them I cut. They're, they're, they're at my place for a reason. They either were fuck ups. They either couldn't figure out life in general. I try to take all of those guys, and I hopefully I can at least help one of them because I try to tell my young coaches, man, you're not going to save them all. So stop spreading yourself thin and trying. Because I used to learn that as a young coach, I used to be the same way. I'm going to save all these fuckers. Well, you can't. And by you trying to do that and chasing that that ghost, you're going to end up not helping the one you need to help. And so. Um, you got to find out who's who and, and, uh, and kind of figure out, you know, what makes this guy go. And you got to end up being a fucking psychologist at the end of the day. That's what I am. I'm not a coach. I'm a damn psychologist. And, um, so some kids have what we call the it factor, man. I think the great quarterbacks in the, in the world, the Tom Brady's, the Montana's, the, the Aaron Rodgers, you know, those guys have what's called an it factor. And I think coaches are in the same world. The coaches have it factor. And then I believe, the coach that has the it factor can recognize the kid that has the it factor. Got you. And I think, you know, I think that's kind of to answer your question. I think that's kind of how it is. And I, I, you can see that there's kids that have great talent and shit, but they don't know how to, they're not poised or they, they don't know how to act under fire or they can't, they're not winners. You know, Tony Romo was a great skill set. He was like top three or four skill set quarterback, maybe of all time, as far as this arm talent, but he never could win the fucking big one. And right. that's his knock. And, and so, you know, what is the it factor? And I guess that's the one you have to determine, kind of find out and what, how, how you determine that. And uh, I think I have an eye for talent. That's kind of what I've been known for. Is a, I was I was known as a recruiter uh, and a, uh, and a and an eye for talent. And I think that's why you know I turned down a lot of guys 
that other people take in a heartbeat. They're like, man, this guy's a freak. And I'm like, yeah, but he don't. I'm looking at every little thing. I'm like, his hips ain't going to project uh, to two years from now. And sure enough, man, I, I've been pretty good on spot on on those things. If those guys fall off and my guy ends up going to NFL. So it's just about, it's and it's a luck of the draw thing too, man. It's kind of, you know, I'm not saying I'm the fucking the guru. I'm just, I've been lucky at a lot of this stuff too. And, and uh, but you know, I do turn over rocks and that's what I tell my coaches. We got to turn over rocks. You got to go find these coaches. And I mean, these kids and, um, you know, I got four points of recruiting that I that I harp on, and and, and one of them, first thing is, and this might relate to you too. But the first thing is finding the guy. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can find the kid, um, but but the second thing is, can you locate him? <laughs> and you can find him on social media, but now can you locate him? Where the hell is he? And then the third thing is, can you contact that kid? Mm-hmm. Like now, can you get a hold of him? And then the fourth thing is ultimately signing the kid and getting him on your campus. So. There's a lot of things that go into it, and uh, now you got to turn over rocks and find those guys, man, because there's 300-something million people out in the United States, man, and, and there's a lot of guys out there that can play that you have to go find, and uh, and, and there's eight schools in our conference that go find, to try to go get the same one. Right. But, um, it's tough. It's a, it's a it's feast or famine, man. You got to go. You got to you got to you know cream rises to the top, man, and uh, and so far, you know, we've we've proven that we're, we're the best recruiting school because of the fact that the kids know we're genuine. My whole staff cut from my cloth. I will fire a coach if he doesn't know how to interact with a kid and build a relationship, and that's just what it is. Because at the end of the day, as hard as I am on them, um, you better build a relationship with these kids too, because they got a backstory that needs to be uh, found out about, or they'll never run to a wall for you. Um, I love all this shit. Um, all right. My last three questions, this number one, where the fuck is the beach house? Does the beach house really exist? It became like a character on its own in the show. Where's this fucking beach house and what's popping off at the beach house? (laughs) It's in Long Beach, California, man, right on, man. And, uh, it's in Long Beach. It's a condo, man, on the, on the water, man. And, uh, I've had it for about seven, eight years now. Um, I've, I've been living down there forever, for, forever, basically. Once I, once uh, my pops passed away, man, we sold the house in Compton where we grew up at, and uh, and he passed away in '05, and and uh, you know I was just like I didn't want nothing else to do with the Compton house growing up, and it was just a it was just a fucked up deal, and so I, I ended up shit I was on my own, man, at that point, and I and you know I started having to figure out ways to live, man, and so I was living in Long Beach, and I loved it down there. It's really really uh, cultural, and and uh, it's a uh, you know diverse as hell. It's like one of the top two or three diverse cities in the country, and and uh, you know, I love it down there. So so I got I ended up getting enough coin together to get me a condo, man. And so uh, I've kept it uh, all through all the journeys of, of me moving around from Kansas to back home to Kansas to a different part of Kansas. So I, I've kept it, and uh, so that's where that is, man. And, and I throw parties out there on my deck, man, oh, for shit. for my buddies and my coaches, man, on the water. And Fourth of July parties are, are beautiful in Long Beach if you've never been. You know, Steven Spielberg has a ship out there. He lets off about a million dollars in fireworks. And the Queen Mary's right there. They do a big fireworks show. And there's a thousand, there's a million people down there, man, walking the beach. And I gotta come women check it out. The, you gotta go there on the fourth, man. It's a big deal. But then the, you know they also have all the. They got the Puerto Rican Fest, the Bob Marley Fest, the damn indie. Or they got the Long Beach Grand Prix, which is like the second largest indie race, uh, indie car race, um, in April. And so Long Beach has so much shit going on, and uh, so I just like it down there, centrally located, man, and at home, and it's on the water, and uh, I love the water, so that's kind of it. Um. All right, your personal top five 
fa- football players of all time, just your favorites growing up, favorites now, just like if you had to put the list together of your five favorite football players of all time, who would they be? Five favorite football players. Uh, Troy Aikman, quarterback. Uh, Dan Marino, quarterback. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, probably the, my, if I put him in order, Lawrence Taylor would probably be my favorite. Uh, probably Deion Sanders because he changed the game. Uh, he wasn't just a DB, he was an entertainer. Um, and, uh, and probably Eric Dixon. All right, that's a good that's a good top five. Um, and you quote a couple of rappers uh, uh, in the show. Uh, you you know, like there's a, a bunch of hip hop. By the way, that young kid, the the, the kid who's uh, who made the the song, tell him keep doing his thing. The blonde headed kid, I think he could be a producer. He doesn't have a face to be in front of the camera, but the kid who did the song that's in the show, uh, I, I I like that shit. Um, oh, I haven't seen that shit. I I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he made a show. You know the cat. The dude that made all this, the that 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 wrote the song is one was my Polynesian kid who played old line for us. He's from the hood. He's a Polynesian kid I brought in. He's a rapper. He actually wrote the song for the white guy. Oh well, the <laughs> white guy got all the fucking credit in the show. So just tell just tell the Polynesian kid he he needs to get those royalties because the white kid got all the fucking credit. <laughs> <laughs> but but let me ask you, give me your top five rappers of all time. Man, my top five. I'm a, I'm old school, man. I'm a little younger than you, but you, you, you know, know, you keep shit, saying man. that shit. You're throwing that in my face, like I feel like you're I know, taking I'm shots at me, coach. Because like, you told me the other day, man, you're <laughs> fucking older than me. I'm like, fuck. All right, well, I, uh, all right, I'm gonna go Nas, Biggie, Tupac, Q, Ice Cube, and I'm, I'm gonna go E40, man, because he, he, he's not. I'm a lyricist guy too, man. I'm not just about a beat. I, in the new rap game, I don't fuck with it all. It's I trash. One of these do you do you go crazy horrible. having to listen to your kids' music? Because I I would I can't even imagine. Because if you grew up listening to good hip hop, it's like literally as if when we were listening to hip hop, having to listen to like doo wop music or classical music or like some kind yeah. of swing jazz. It th- this new hip hop that I'm sure your players play must drive you fucking insane. Oh man, they want to play it at the stadium. We we go practice. They want I put on E forty. Them motherfuckers don't even know who the fuck it is. They they want this fucking panda panda future shit. I'm like, man, fuck that. Shit. I can't even understand what the fuck they're saying. So, you know, and then you know, I, there's five guys that you, that I could easily leave out, like Rakim and Big Daddy and Mo, Kumo D and Snoop and, and and you know, I'm a big A Z fan, not Jay Z. A Z. Yes, yes. And uh, I know you know A Z back east, but uh, man, A Z's a, a big time lyricist to me and, and there's a lot of those other types of guys man i like i like i like lyrics man i thought exhibit is a, is a big time lyricist yep, and, yep. and i'm a, i'm a hoops i'm a hooper too man i played hoop with a bunch of big time guys who played in the nba and i grew up in that world too so we all know a lot of the same people i think and uh absolutely i think i'm you know well diverse and well-rounded man and far that stuff but yeah the new rap game man is fucked it is horrific, man. I can't stand yeah, it's, that shit. It's, it's literally like, it's a, it's a different genre of music. I, I stopped calling it rap. Like I, My old thing is, if you're so fucking creative, come up with a new name for the shit and so we could just, so I could stop being so frustrated about it. Alright, Coach, listen, I appreciate you coming on uh, the podcast. I told you I want to make a trip out to uh, Kansas. Uh, you just got to show me where the nearest Starbucks is because if, if 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 there's not a Starbucks within like an eight minute shot, I start to get nervous. No doubt, man. There a star, the closest Starbucks to us is thirty five minutes, man. Oh fuck! So they, they I, haven't got you know you, You're you're a big television star. You got five hundred sixty players. You know, in different school. They can't get a fucking Starbucks out there for you. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ, hey, I'm, man. I'm pushing for it, man. I, I push. I told him that Michael Rapport and his wife show up, man. I got to get fucking Starbucks delivered here or something every day while you're here. So I'm working on that shit, man. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, have, I want to come out something. there and watch a game and, and, and watch a practice and watch you do your thing. Because, I, like I said, I, I support you. I'm a, I'm a big fan. No doubt, man. Appreciate the love, man. And uh, I'm, it's been a privilege, man, you calling me, man. I, I grew up with... Uh, watching you, man, and shit. I, we, me and my boys all love Michael Rappaport, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. So I appreciate it, man. It's been humbling. All right, Coach. I'm, I'm going to talk to you soon, and I appreciate you rocking with me. All right, brother. I'll appreciate talk to you, you soon. All right, that's it. I want to thank Jason Brown, Coach. I, I really uh, urge everybody who hasn't watched Season 3 of Last Chance you to check it out. It's fucking compelling. It's It'll have you on the edge of your seat. You get so emotionally invested in uh, the kids and the school and the town uh, and the coach and the entire story. You should check out Last Chance U. Uh, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. World Tour continues. Uh, as I said, the 18th in Houston, the 22nd in Philadelphia, and the 25th in Boston. I am Tour.com. That's I am Tour.com. Miles Jordan. Yo, take us out of here with something nice. Take us out of here with something funky. Take us out of here with something real proper. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. I'm out. <laughs>